0: You can sit with us, podcast with Lexi B.
1: Ash Coleman is a world-renowned thought leader, diversity and inclusion advocate, mom, and social media influencer focusing on the importance of understanding your why in your career and how to
0: move forward. You can sit with us, podcast with Lexi B. Welcome, Ash. How are you? I'm doing so well. How are
1: you? I'm good. I'm so honored and excited to have you here. Um, You have been a friend and a mentor and a sponsor in professional and more importantly, I guess, in more recently, very personal settings. And I really appreciate that.
0: Always here for you, Lexi.
1: So what's in your coffee cup? What are you drinking with us today?
0: Girl, listen, so... What's in this big-ass Yeti that I have is lemonade, sugar-free lemonade. I'm trying to consume more zero-calorie drinks, and so I've got lemonade. How
1: is sugar-free lemonade? I'm not trying to judge you, but like, isn't <laughs> lemonade supposed to be sugary? Like, Isn't the point of lemonade to be like on the cusp of diabetic situationships?
0: Girl, listen. So my trainer has me on this program, and he's like- If you want to spend calories drinking, then you can. But I personally like eating more (laughs) and I'm going to have to agree with them. So I I drink that crystal light uh, and it's fine. It helps me get my hydration in. And that's really what matters at this point. So I'm good. Hey, I'm here for it. And where are your people from? Where are my people from? I was just mentioning that's such a deep question, (laughs) but I'll give the light version. I'm from LA originally. Uh, moved around the world a number of times. I was a consultant for many years. And so there was that business. Uh, but now we live in North Carolina. We live in Charlotte.
1: And how has your LA roots, because I know they didn't start there, start there, but how How have your roots influenced, inspired you right now in North Carolina, if they have?
0: Ooh, yeah, it's, I mean, what's interesting about LA then versus LA now is that I just remember Growing up and being able to run out on the street, all the other kids were out on the street. No matter which house you went to, the door was open. There was food on the tables. like It was a real communal atmosphere. And that's what I remember the most about growing up there. And what's silly is we left the Bay Area a few years ago because we weren't really feeling the communal aspect. We didn't see our child playing outside in the street. At that time, we had one child. And so we had the opportunity to move to North Carolina. And when we were house hunting, we rolled up on this neighborhood. Kids were in the street. There were toys laying in front yards. There were parents hanging out in the front yard drinking wine. It was a calling card for us. We saw it and we were like, yep, absolutely. We need to be here. And so no joke, we put an offer on the house that we saw in that neighborhood that day. And luckily, you know, we won the bid and now we live here. We have wonderful neighbors, wonderful neighbors.
1: So today we're talking with you about losing, um, about taking the L, not losing the L, taking the L. Taking the L. And for folks who don't know what the L is, when we describe this many times in, in sports, they say take the L, which means take take the loss and take it gracefully and figure out your next step, right? Because not all the time you're going to win. I find this topic very interesting, especially when we're talking about non-sport professionalism because many times in professional settings that are not necessarily sports, you know, sports, you play a hundred and umpteen games a year. So if you take the L on a two, you can still make it to the playoffs. You can still make it to the final. But when you're in the corporate setting, a lot of people consider taking the L as a really, really, really huge bad thing. (laughs) You are never allowed to take the L. You are never allowed to lose because that could be the detriment to all of the years of stuff that you succeeded in. So what I want to ask you is that when was the first time that you had to take the L in your professional career, even if you didn't take it well, but you just had to take
0: it. So I think folks who have heard me on previous conversations that we've had know that I, I do a lot of career changing, or at least my career path has not been linear. And so A lot of folks know that I was a chef for 16 years before I got into tech and that wasn't the L. So I decided to exit that game because it was getting a little heavy. The scheduling wasn't right for my lifestyle, et cetera. And I wanted to go to dental school. And so I started down this track over at Columbia University in New York City and I was, I was, I had a job at a dental office. That's a, that's a story for another day, but that was a wild situation. And, uh, long story short, it has to do with the Trumps, but had a job at a dental office and I was working really hard to understand dentistry at that office and try to be a good assistant. And while I was working on my schoolwork and whatnot, just really trying to get a feel for dentistry and no joke, like, I got fired. I got fired from that job. and On what ground? Did the, they, they, they give you any grounds? So the grounds were that I wasn't a fit. So there were a few things that had led up to that, including, uh, again, not mentioning too much of the story, but uh, someone wasn't very happy with an x-ray I had taken. Um, and it was a new machine, and I was new to the, to the company and everything. And so anyways, they, they let me go. And I was destined to be a dentist. I was like, this is my next step. I'm going to dental school. I'd aligned all of my stuff. I was going to school for it, everything. And then rug pulled right from from under my feet. And what was funny is that actually kicked off my engineering career. I was unemployed, found myself unemployed. And it was the 4th of July weekend. And I went up to Vermont with a friend for the celebration, we decided to go camping. And he is a person that I would fix his computer all the time. We lived in New York, we were friends. And whenever I'd hang out with him, I'd just, you know, do this and that and whatever on his computer. So he knew that I, I had a niche for engineering. And he called me and he goes, Hey, listen, my company's looking for, well, we were on the trip and then we got home. And he called me and he said, Hey, my company's looking for some uh, consultants to do data transfer and i know you like that geeky stuff so you do want to come over and do it since you're not employed and that was the beginning of the end as far as tech and and quality engineering was concerned so taking that L was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in that moment however in that moment it felt like i have no idea what i'm going to do and the thing that i wanted so badly that was at my fingertips has been pulled from me.
1: In that moment when you got fired from dental school, I want you to walk us through the emotion of that, especially currently in a world that we live in where a lot of people in the corporate Western society realm are getting laid off left and right. Um, I know for me, I assume for you, but I would love your thoughts, going on LinkedIn every day and seeing the next one and the next one and the next one. Is very depressing, and I say that as a person who has not gotten laid off yet. So I can only imagine the put, look. Yet in print, I don't know what's going to happen. Right? Anything is possible. Um, Anything is possible. I can only imagine mm-hmm. how the people feel that have gotten laid off, especially people who have been drinking the Kool Aid of many of these companies about how these companies like you. So in that moment, oh
0: girl, you are seeding some soil right now. <laughs>
1: which we're going to get to. But in that moment, when you had to take that L from dental school, we really have to discuss the feeling of that and go deeper into that. Yeah.
0: So just for clarity's sake, I didn't get fired from dental school. I was still in school. But I'm sorry. Yeah, you got fired from, from the, the office. Right. Yes. But what that did was it initiated a thought process in me that made me really think, is this where I want to be? And during that time in that office, I got to observe quite a bit about dentistry. And I think that, folks, how many Black women do you see as dentists? Let's really talk about that. And this was over a decade ago. This was a while ago. And the environment then was predominantly white and male. And the way we we would have events and things at this office. And so we'd go and fraternize with other dentists. And when I would do that, I would not really see myself in that environment. Now, there's something to be said about paving your own way, creating space at the table for yourself, advocating for yourself, etc. And I, I would love to talk about that later. But at that time, I didn't see it. And so it felt like a closed door. So yeah, I dropped out of school and felt miserable because I'm like, not only do I not see it, they don't see it either. And that was a moment of deep introspection for myself because everything, again, that I had thought was my path got pulled right from underneath me and was a real show of like, this is not the space for you. But, you know, it's one of those like getting into that deep Sunday sermon status when one door closes, you know, God opens a window or another door opens type of deal. And when we talk about people who might be experiencing that L or getting laid off these days, The best thing, I mean, I'm gonna be real clear with y'all right now. I'm currently unemployed. And that was intentional. I quit my whole job without another job in alignment. And Lexi, I already know how you feel about that. So I'm not telling people to do that. I was lucky and I have the privilege to be able to take time off. But the times that I have not been employed have been the time that I built the firmest foundation to launch, yo, like legit. That foundation gets solid as, as hell. And then I get on that floor and then it's time to jump. And I just hope that people understand because other people may not see that value, that doesn't mean that you're not valuable. If other people don't see you as an asset, that does not need, mean that you're not a contributor, right? So it's it really just comes down to the volatility of corporate. And yeah, sometimes let's be honest, we're not performing at our best. However, more times than not, it has nothing to do with you.
1: But I also want to honor the fact that and y'all, Ash's Ash's unemployment is the best unemployment you will ever see. Like it is <laughs> It is the roadmap. Like if you not go have a job, do it the way that Ash does it. Okay. Listen. But we have to recognize that privilege because we have to go back to capitalism. Yep. you have developed a life, built a life, built connections, and worked really hard at your job where you have created a financial nest egg where you taking the L, if we define it right now as not having a day, de- you know a regular regular nine to five job mm-hmm. does not impede on your lifestyle, on your spouse's lifestyle and on your children's lifestyle. The bills are still getting paid. Mm -hmm. We're not moving out the house, right? We can still do swim lessons. We can Mm -hmm. do all the things that we did pre-mom deciding this is not for me. And I do want to honor that. And maybe that's a deeper conversation of how do you get your finances together so you have more options so when the L is presented, you can be more strategic about what you'd like to do next.
0: Yep. So every single one of my clients... So I do coaching on the side. So one of my things that I've done forever. And when I quit my job, I decided to bump that business back up and take on new clients. And unfortunately, a few of those folks have experienced loss of employment as well. But I always like to speak with them about their what we call their fuck it fund. And I know that this term floats around the industry of having the fuck it fund, which is essentially three to six months of income that is able to keep you in the same lifestyle that you were in before, like while you're working. Seamless transition. You get unemployed or you just had enough. There's a lot of burnout going on right now. And so folks are jumping ship and appropriately so because they need to get their bearings back. And... They can lean in on that fuck it fund. And so for us, me and my family, it was really important for both my husband and I to have a year of fuck it fund. And I know, again, that's generous, but it was something that we did along the way to make sure that when we were tired, like I was, and when we were fed up, like I was, jumping ship was easy. And it just became a conversation about, okay, well, what am I going to do in that time? while I'm unemployed. And you you had mentioned the things that I was up to or that I am up to. This has been a major cleansing season. And the thing that I've realized since I have left my job is that one, I'm a lot more balanced in the way of taking care of my family and being present for others and really having the energy to do, C and be so many other things outside of just my job. Again, I'm privileged to be able to do that. I'm not going to let that slip because I know not everyone can do this. But the biggest thing that I've observed as well is I used to be a chef and I used to create every day. And people talk about, you know, being in corporate More specifically, I was in the people space where I was taking care of diversity, inclusion, employee experience, et cetera. And being in that HR area is real heavy. And quite honestly, it's very immalleable when it comes to getting creative about solutions. So I realized my creativity had gotten to an all-time low. When I would make dinner, it wasn't anything extravagant. I have a beautiful viola that's behind me here in my office. I haven't played that in years. I Love uh, pottery. I have a beautiful pottery shed out in my backyard. I don't throw pottery. This was stuff that I never had the opportunity to do because I was so super saturated with work. When I left my job, one, it was about hitting my therapist real hard because let's be honest, if you're not understanding the trauma that's happening to you while you're in these spaces, you're not aware. And we all need to be looking at that, especially as 2024 is coming, especially with the political and geolocational situation that's happening all over the world right now in various different locations that we are continually being beat with from the news. I don't even turn on the news anymore right now because it's just, I'm trying to pull all of this trauma and all of this this heaviness off of me. Anyways, I'm starting to, to, to veer off the topic, but really it's about getting yourself together. It was about getting myself together Understanding how I really felt about corporate America specifically, but also employment in a full-time capacity with a company, and then getting back to my creativity, which has been the best time of my life. I've been hitting up social real hard. If you follow me on any of the platforms, you'll see I'm doing that influencer work. And I'm really getting in there and just being creative again.
1: I mean, I have to be honest, like pre-Ash leaving corporate to my knowledge, as a person that knows you, you weren't making homemade donuts with the sprinkles and the frosting. You also had never made, to my knowledge, that bomb ass Greek chicken thing in the one pot (laughs) that I still want the
0: recipe for. That's actually um, for dinner tonight. I'm making that again.
1: Look divine. And I was like, oh, Ash is out here because the Greek one pot was not up in Oakland back in the day. And the donuts were not. You know, we weren't doing the fried donuts with the kids and the chocolate frosting and the sprinkles. And as a person no. who hates chocolate, I was sitting there like, that actually
0: looks that looks good.
1: I would Brooklyn dabble. put
0: her whole foot in that. Girl, was, BK put her that.
1: whole foot in that, okay? Mm-hmm. Her whole Southern ancestral foot in that donut, yeah. okay? So it looks good on you, but I love the fact that you talked about the fuck it fund. Um, as you know, my husband and I have a fuck it fund. And- mm-hmm. I remember the day that we got married, that was the whole thing of like, you have to put an X money into the fucking fund and I have to put an X money into the fucking fund and we have to grow it. Um, just because one, first and foremost, corporate doesn't care about you. So you never know what's gonna happen, even if you are not ready for it to happen. And then two, we should care about us so much that we can walk away if we need to and or want to. Um so power to the fucking fund that everybody everybody should have. My next question for you is that when you transitioned from this dental work to the tech corporate world and you started mm-hmm. working and navigating this and getting your skills up and running and becoming an actual engineer, right? What did then taking the L look like? Did it look a little bit different for you as your career grew and changed and then you had more knowledge and information about this new space?
0: Yeah, so I don't think that the taking the L was different. I think that it was a different mindset. So I feel like folks take more L's than they want to admit. And that's one of the biggest things that I learned throughout my career, especially in those early days of... When you are dead set on a thing, let's let's go back to my early days in Agile, in my first tech job, where you might not want to be that person who picks up that ticket and does all of the testing on that ticket and codes it and runs you know, all the automation and whatnot on it. You don't want to be that person, but you do it anyways. And I'm not going to say that that's taking an L for your career, but let's be honest, Careers are so, they're not linear, but they are continuous. And when you think about the continuum of your career, it is about the weight and balance of how often you are jumping in there, solving the problems, getting the things done, et etc. Even if it's against your desire, even if it's against your want, your will, the time that you have, the direction you're going in your career, one of the things that I figured out early was you have to be willing to do the job that nobody else is doing. So that's how I got into Agile, and then lo and behold, Agile is one of the biggest rockets of my career that I've had. And no one was sitting there saying, you know, raising their hand eagerly, "Let me be the person who trans translates all of our work from waterfall over to Scrum." No one was doing that, but I raised my hand and I did it. One because I felt like it was an opportunity. So essentially, that was taking the L because it was taking me away from work that I was really excited about and put me in a category of, oh, and now I need to learn this and I need to grow in this and I need to be able to lead our team in this. And it's not quite what I would have chosen to do, but it's something that was needful for the business. And that's when you start to put your real like business hat on and understand what do I want my career to look like? What are the side steps that I need to take to be still in sync with the business and still see me as a top performer and a critical contributor? While also, you know, like what pieces can I pull in that I still enjoy, that I still want, that are keeping me on track with my career? And that's what those early days looked like was I was taking on anything and everything because of various reasons, inclusive of the fact I'm the only woman on the team. I'm the only black person in the company, right? These things are wild where you're just like, I don't know, I'm just going to take these on and do them. And along the way, you're going to take major L's. There are times where I did not know what I was doing. And instead of being able to hide behind a very elaborate explanation as to how this is not a derailment in the in in the the process, I had to say, you know what, I actually, I don't know. I don't know. And that's when you need to lean in on others and see how they can help support you. So with taking the L, it's also about one being comfortable enough to acknowledge it because if we're sitting here acting like it's not happening other people see it. I'm I'm going to tell y'all right now. There is not one time where you take an L that other people aren't like I, I I see you, you know? So be aware that you're not the only one who sees it and when you can have that vulnerable conversation about I don't know what I'm doing or I I kind of fucked that up or I'm not really mm, I'm not really aligned with what we're supposed to be doing. I need more information. Folks are going to hopefully show up for you. But also I would say, find your folks, find them because companies aren't naturally built with those people. And I'm telling you that right now, you're not going to be able to turn over to Bob and be like, hey, Bob, can you help me on this? Bob ain't studying you. He's not doing all that. And he'll leave you right there until 7 p.m. when you're like, I'm hungry and I want to go I want to dinner and I had a date or whatever. Bob doesn't care. He's finishing wor- his work and he's going. So find your folks. Make sure that you personally get comfortable with the multitude of L's that you're going to experience throughout your career because they happen daily, even conversations you're having. Those are my favorite L's is when you're having conversations with someone. And you get to a point where you're like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it's the humility for me."
1: So it sounds like taking the daily L's or the smaller L's in many ways is the rehearsal for taking the bigger L and then being able to pivot peacefully. I remember my first major career L um, was when I got laid off, and I and I wasn't expecting it, so it was very hard for me. I was also very young. I was what twenty six. Fun fact, the good news was that they didn't know that I had another job lined up. So also like keep your business to yourself because you just, Yo, people don't need to know what they don't need to know.
0: Forever be interviewing. Do not stop interviewing under any circumstances.
1: Right, keep your business to yourself. But the L in the situation wasn't the layoff because I had a job lined up. So I was very, very lucky. The L was how in which I was laid off right? Which are different. How in which I'm cleaning out my desk, which by the way, was like 90% clean because I was about to tell them I was leaving. And I had my little box and I was walking down the steps and it was my director. So my boss's boss who told me that I got laid off. And my boss actually opened the door to my, to my you know, opened the door of the building because I had stuff in my hand and did not once acknowledge me or say anything. The L was going back upstairs to get my umbrella and my coworkers who didn't get laid off, seeing them in the hallway and them pretending that I wasn't there. Y'all, I am a good four shades lighter than Kunta Mm -hmm. Kinte. Y'all see me. I see you. This is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. And how they treated me that day, as if everybody knew that I was going to be on the chopping block and they weren't. Um, and then fun fact, full force coming back years later, as my career progresses, these same people in my LinkedIn DMs. In your
0: mentions. Hey.
1: Right. Talking about, I just love to see you shot. No, that's not how we're going to do this. Because I'm, I'm, That's not how we going to do this. And so I had to learn to take the L from the standpoint of when people show you who they are, believe them. And do not put a lot of emotional energy into these professional relationships unless that person shows you you can. But I remember it was very hurtful. Like I was in the car crying, which is wild because here I am with this new job that's going to start in like a month. I have a severance from a financial standpoint. Girl, I like fucked up well, (laughs) right? Um. But having to emotionally deal with that and learn how to decouple my emotion from this office so I don't get hurt again was a very big lesson for me.
0: Let's—I mean, let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, because I think that yeah, no matter how prepared you are to walk out the door, being pushed at your last step is never a good feeling. No, right? I—I yeah. I, uh, had a client who was laid off last week, actually. And this is the third layoff of one of my clients in the last four weeks. And so there's a season upon us. And of course, it's the end of the year. And there's something to be said about that. As someone who's worked over in the HRN, someone who has fired people before, someone who has been fired myself one, the people that are working with you aren't even, they're not more equipped than you are to be able to do this, this laying off. It's probably the worst thing to have to do. And I'm not saying that to give empathy to corporations who are mindless about how they go about doing this. What I'm saying is that shunning that you got was more so the shame and the embarrassment of these folks having to let one of their own go. Because here's a thing that happens is that emotional attachment that you were talking about in these organizations they kind of need you to have that. As someone who comes from, from employee experience, they kind of need you to have that and feel that and feel an attachment to the mission and the values of the company. And so it's by design that you feel grief being let go of an organization because they pulled you in and gave you what you needed to be sustained. And then they're like, psych, just kidding. For whatever reason. These are people who've worked at organizations for 20 plus years. These are people who've worked there for four months, like myself, right? It doesn't matter. We're gonna feel away when our when our timeline gets obstructed by someone else's will.
1: Go deeper in the need or take back. Take that back. Go go deeper in the the
0: system is built that way. Yeah. I mean Oh, heavens, you're about to get me in trouble. So (laughs) I was talking to a friend over Airbnb the other day, and I know that you've got experience with with Airbnb. I know a number of people who've worked there. Uh, Being in the employee experience area of the business, you study other companies and the way they go about onboarding and the way they go about getting people in the building and the way they go about recruiting, etc. That is that's a part of understanding how to help people exist at the company in a well way. So you do a deep dive on Airbnb, you realize their onboarding process is two weeks long. What company has a two-week long onboarding process that inundates you with the idea that you're family?
1: Let me tell you something, Ash. As a, as, as a former airbnb who I think I was part of the Airbnb golden age, this is like 2016 era, um... That Airbnb new hire process, yo, you will walk in this Airbnb office and be like, it's another job. By the end of new hire orientation, you are part of Airbnb. And I wish somebody would say something negative about the orange juice in the building because you are ready to fight. Airbnb has done a phenomenal job and I haven't worked there in years, so maybe it's changed, but a phenomenal job in making sure that when you actually start your job after you go through orientation, there is nothing anyone can say negative about this company Absolutely. that you would actually believe.
0: And that that's a job well done. That's a job well done. And that is that that's kind of the the North Star for a lot of companies. They want to get people in there, they want them to be feeling themselves and they want them to see themselves as a part of the organization. Again. I have created these programs. I know exactly how they work. And it's not a sleight of hand or smoke and mirror situation. It's legitimate at the time. However, it no longer serves you when the company no longer needs you, right? Like that that's the hardship is you sit there and you build these programs and these people are really reliant on and they love and they desire and they work for and they fend for and they talk about you on LinkedIn. That's the point because the experience is supposed to help other people feel attached to the brand. And more importantly, attached to the company. So the best of the best are applying. The best of the best when we're recruiting them, they want to work there. So when you sit here and you're like, you you go through a layoff, that shit sucks.
1: It's almost like, it's almost like falling in love. Girl. And then out of nowhere, you get that text that says, I don't want to
0: do this anymore. That's what it, that's what you're saying. It really is. It really is. Mm. And it <laughs> it's a toxic relationship in a lot of ways too right? Which is which is interesting because if you think about employment, employment really is about the exchange of capital for experience, capital for skill. So it's really just a 50-50 exchange. However, they have you giving 100 and that's the objective. They want you thinking past that, oh, this is just a place to work. And we're seeing a lot of that during the burnout conversation. We're seeing a lot of that with the, what did they call that? The quiet quitting, Right? People who are just there to do their job. Imagine that. I'm just showing up. And the
1: executives who get very upset, upset about that. I I would love your thoughts on quiet <laughs> quitting because people thought I had three heads girl mm-hmm. when all these articles came out about quiet quitting, and I was the one in the room, like, and like a lot of companies, a lot of journalists, a lot of thought leaders in this space who like right for Forbes and Business Insider and all these places in Washington Post were like how dare these people quiet quit and i was like how dare you think that my purpose in life is to literally fall in love with you and then be devastated when you don't need me anymore what are your thoughts on quiet quitting because i'll be frank i'm for it do your job and go home if that is the era that you are in and i and i'm sick and tired of organizations thinking that we we must give them more without more money attached.
0: Well, this is when you know better, you do better, right? And these younger folks are coming up in the cut, and they know better. (laughs) So they are doing way better than some of us who, unfortunately, one of my favorite things is I get a call from my mom every week on Sunday, and she calls every time, same time. It's pretty routine. That
1: is the blackest thing I've heard in a long time, but go ahead. That's that's black. You
0: you know, you go to church, you get get your (laughs) prayers in, be loving God today, you know, it's the usual phone call, yeah. But along with this phone call, there's the question that, like, always would throw a person who's just randomly listening in for a loop. My mom will say, So, how's your job doing? Right? She says that because she comes from a generation where loyalty to your employment was a hundred percent the business, you needed to show up, you needed to prove your worth. You need, and I'm not saying you don't need to do those things these days, but it was on a different level when my mom was in her prime and employed. Now, again, also though, my mom is not a person who ever worked in corporate. So for her, this is like factory life, this is line life, right? She was doing the hard jobs where legitimately it was about how much you produced. So I get that question. And it's a very ancestral question, right? The ancestors out there like, listen, are you doing everything you need to do to keep your job? Meanwhile, these days, folks are like, I'm doing enough. I'm doing exactly what that job description told me I needed to be doing. And I'm questioning why you're asking me to do more. And there's a balance there, right? And this is this is the game we play when we are in this setting, is we already know that there is, there's a balance. We already know that there's an equation. We already know that there are things that are expected of us to do in order to make more money or to get that promo. But for those folks who aren't bothered with getting a promo or those folks who aren't bothered with making more money, there is nothing that you can do to get them to engage more, to show up to more activities, to have them wearing that swag out, to have them you know, pleading about this company on LinkedIn. None of those folks are going to do that. So the quiet quitting thing is not something that's new. It's something that's rebranded. And I thought it was trash. The whole I'm like, this is not a new thing. Those, if you know, you know. And a lot of folks have been doing that for years. However, now we're going to put a brand on it and we're going to make it into the new contention in corporate America. It's like, no, half of your senior and staff level engineers are quiet quitters. They have literally just been clocking in and clocking out nine to five.
1: And then also I would add is that I think that all of us, if, if, if you are actually trying to build a continuous thriving corporate career, which for the record, you don't have to build that. okay, But if you are trying to do that, you're going to have these seasons. You're going to have these quiet quitting seasons because stuff is happening in your personal life where you're like, y'all getting exactly what you pay me for Um, Or because you're just tired, you know, forget your personal life. You're just like, oh, everything's the same. I just don't want to do this right now. And then you will have seasons of that mountain of like, okay, I'm gonna give you 130. And so it does go up and down. Has that been for your experience as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, so here's another thing that we don't factor into this equation enough is some people just like their jobs. I love my job. I love my job when I do it, which means that I'm automatically going to give 110%. This has nothing to do with the company. This has to do with the outcomes and the, and the impact that I'm making. So I feel like that's, that's the key player move is if you find a company. Great. That does well. That suits your, your moral grounding that really helps you feel like you belong there, et cetera. Great. And if you're doing the job you love, there's nothing that's going to stop you from that progress. So when we have to plan when we have the off season versus when we don't, we already know that we're kind of messing with a job that is just a job. We're not in our passion space. We're not in, we're not doing the thing that the good Lord gave us, you know, the space to do. And that's okay too, because we have to make money. This capitalistic society, we know that we need to make money. We got to pay bills. We got to take that trip, whatever it is that we need to pay for. We got to work to get that. So, this is, no, this is no shame on folks who have have had to sit and think, you know what, there's just too much going on in my life right now. Uh, I'm going to do the bare minimum just so that I can get work done and save mental space, physical space. I know when I was pregnant, there was no way I could make it into the office. I was throwing up. Well, I wasn't throwing up, but I definitely felt like I was going to. I had that nausea all the time. And being able to get in the office and do the things that I needed to do daily, that was not happening. Absolutely not. But it was about maintaining. It was about um, working with a phenomenal team. Again, I found those support systems there and I was able to do it. But no shame on those folks who are just clocking in. No shame on those folks who have passion for their job and are giving 110%. I think it's more on us to identify who we are and where we are in the jobs we're in. Mm.
1: I have actually, the more that we talk about this, I'm thinking about my own experience. I've never quite quit a job. I have quite quit mm. a manager. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just my personality. But I always tell people, I'm like, I can be bagging chapstick at Walgreens. I can be digging ditches in the graveyard out back. I can do a whole lot and i know that we've talked about this in our personal relationship i can also utilize my skills and rebrand them to do what i need to do yep. y'all corporate world is actually not that hard <laughs> right but i have quiet quit managers um because mm-hmm. my personality i come to work for you and i have to respect you i in a perfect world i have to respect you i have to think that you can teach me something and i have to think that you're a genuinely good person and as soon as like one of those things goes away i'm checked out
0: the so everyone always says you know you don't quit jobs you quit managers there's some validity to that and there is one thing though that i want to touch on you had mentioned if your manager can teach you something and i always find that question really interesting because i don't know that i've ever seeing a manager as someone who is the educator. I always see managers as those who unblock. Do you have access to the spaces that I need to be? And can you get me there? I don't really care.
1: But that's what I mean when I say teach me something. So maybe maybe I should rephrase that. You're right. Can the manager do something for me that sure. I cannot do for myself? The- Whether it is teaching me a new skill um, whether it, it is you showing me a different way to lead, you showing me how to influence this specific company. And I'm like, noted, I'm going to try that out. Whether it's to unblock things, girl, I have taken up managers just to be like, I want to go to that holiday party. And I know that's the God, that's the God mama to your kid. So yeah, sure. I'm a roll through, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, like the whole gamut of, can you give me access to, to something, whether it's knowledge, people, influence, like you said, unblock things, that if I was not working for you,
0: I may not get that. And that, I mean, so that that's fair to say. Uh, I've learned a lot from managers that I've had. And I've also learned a lot of what not to do from managers that I've had. Mm. So there's an education factor there. Um, sitting down with them and asking them to teach me a thing is not my initial desire from a manager. Because if I have to get it done for my job, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. And it's usually with my peers. But that's not to say that you can't learn. Like you said, there's those higher level things, especially if you're aiming in that direction that your manager's in. Learn all you can from them. So
1: in closing, when you talk to your, your clients with your coaching business, and by the way, folks, Ash is a phenomenal coach. She'll tell you like it is. Um, so she'll allow you to cry and then bring you back up and hug you, but she is going to tell you about yourself, um, which is something that you need. Honestly, the last L that you took, how did it feel? Devastating, you know? Really? I thought you were going to say empowering, but go ahead. No, no, no. Speak on it. The,
0: The initial piece, the, you get to a point where you realize you're, you're, you're face to face with the L, right? You're like, I thought, you know, I thought we were someplace else clearly that was mistaken sometimes it's a slow creep and you realize it months weeks days before sometimes it's an immediate hit where you wake up one day and you're like yo actually <laughs> i have to get out of this place and i think that that was the situation with my my last l i i started employment at a place where 2 weeks in i knew that this was not the place for me and the people in my life would say, you know, you got to give a job six months to be able to feel it. But I'm, I'm decently empathic, and I can do a quick scan and understand very quickly, is this for me or not? So two weeks turned into four months, and it just continued to crumble along the way. And every lifeline I threw out, no one caught it. Everyone else was sinking. People weren't really, you know, they they acknowledged the difficulties and the upset, but there was nothing that could be done. And that's devastating because you, it, it was after having made the decision to go to this job, it was after having made the decision to make a change. And so feeling really good about that and then getting to a place where you realize like, did I fuck this up? Did I make the wrong decision? And there's a yes and a no aspect to that. So then there's the guilt and upset for yourself for having done the thing. And then there's also the upset of not being met with what you were expecting. So it was devastating. And it's the best thing I ever did. Legitimately. like After after the whole grieving process of realizing like, yo, this has got to go. I've got to jump. This is not... Typical of uh, employees to leave after four months. This is not typical to uh, be in the position that I'm in and to just vacate. Like, it's not characteristic of myself. But here's something that I do know about me now that made this decision easier. I know how to fail fast, I know how to take that L quickly. And that is why I was okay with not hitting the six months or staying for a year or really putting in no. No, <laughs> I knew two weeks in, it was not good. I knew it. I felt it in my heart. I This is the gaslighting, right? People will really have you feeling like nothing's wrong and your whole spirit will tell you there's something wrong here. And you keep convincing yourself, well, if everybody else is saying everything's fine, then it must be fine. When you could literally see that shit's not cool. And then finally, I was like, you know what? It is hurting me more making excuses for why I need to show up here every day than it is to just bounce. Like I will rather deal with the repercussions of bouncing after such a short period of time than to continue doing this. So I'm out. So what I hear from you is one part of taking the
1: L peacefully is learning how to take the L quickly. Yeah. Cause there's no point in just making this thing longer. And then two, what I hear from you is that it is perfectly okay and healthy to have grief. Absolutely. Even when you take it.
0: Absolutely. They say that um, trauma is having not dealt well with other emotions in a well way. So, for example, the difference between trauma and um, and not having trauma from a situation scenario is the people who carry you through it, the support that you give yourself through it, etc. So, yes, it didn't feel great, but then having all of the resources, the support, etc., that I had getting out of that situation. I feel zero remorse or trauma from the actual quitting of that job. Now, there's some traumatic experiences that happened there and other employment that I've had for sure. But if you can figure that out quickly and you have built a system for yourself to be able to smoothly get through that transition... Take the L. You'll be back up on your feet.
1: So in closing, how can we follow you? Where can we stalk you on Harriet Tubman's (laughs) internet? What's coming up? How can we support?
0: All the things. All the things. So there's a lot in flight right now. And the best way to get a hold of me, I have two Instagram accounts. This is going to throw folks for a loop. My last name is no longer Coleman. It's Hynia, H-Y-N-I-E. So you can find me on Instagram on my personal account, which is where I'm doing a lot of my influencer work. Ash Hinnia is the name, or you can jump over on my coaching side, which is Ash Tech Bestie. I still go by Coleman professionally. I know it's confusing, but y'all are smart. You can keep up. Uh, Ash Coleman, Ash Tech Bestie is what you'll find for my professional line. And those are the two consistent places, unless you want to hit me up on LinkedIn. But honestly, I'm taking a break from LinkedIn for a bit.
1: It's funny. My, um, my phone reminded me last month that your name had changed. And girl, I was at your wedding. So you think that I would know. You were Ash Coleman in my phone since I met you at the Whole Foods. Remember the Whole Foods? When you met at breakfast at the Whole Foods. And then you got married. And I was there, by the way, y'all. It was the most gorgeous wedding. And my phone last month was like, this is not her name. Like I got I got, a, I got like an update from my phone. And they were like, do you mean Henia? And I was like, oh, yeah does have a new
0: name <laughs> i do have a new and that's the the hard part is separating yourself that has been one of these moments during this time i've had off do i make the full transition do people know me anymore if my name is not what it used to be i don't know you know it, it's whatever it's whatever it's a new start ashania in your face what are you gonna do
1: <laughs> it is what it is okay it is what it is yep. <laughs> well thank you so much thank you for being you publicly but really thank you for being you privately. And um, watching you in your private spaces and how open you are, how vulnerable you are, how honest you are, Um, you know, Ash is talking to you, she'll do this thing where she'll be like, okay, listen, and she'll she'll break it all down. And I want to honor that. And I want to thank you for that, because there is a privilege in being in communion and sisterhood and fellowship with people like you.
0: I, I agree. And thank you, Lexi, for always creating platforms for us to be out here doing our thing and really thriving. I don't think that, that we give you enough credit. So thank you. You can listen to You Can Sit With Us episodes on Spotify. For more information, visit our website, LexiB.com, and our LinkedIn account at LexiB. And make sure to follow our podcasts on Instagram at SitwithLexiB. And don't forget to subscribe to our Spotify channel.